Howdy, friends and family. Welcome to our midweek podcast and update for Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, Coming up, we're going to continue our study uh, in the book of Hebrews. But first, I got a little update on how we are ministering through this crisis at uh, Memorial. You know, this coming Sunday is Palm Sunday, April 5th, followed by Easter Sunday on the 12th. I wanted to give you a little heads up on something coming in. We are planning on sharing in the Lord's Supper on Easter Sunday morning during our worship time. What I'm asking each of you to do is to gather the elements of communion for those who will be watching with you from your devices. So as you prepare to participate in worship on Easter morning, don't forget to have your bread and juice ready to participate in communion. If you can't get a hold of some grape juice, then use apple juice or some other juice. If you don't have some bread, then use a cracker. But please prepare for worship, and we will partake in communion together on Easter. You know, this last week we launched our MBC Temple YouTube channel. I would ask if you would, please go to that site and subscribe and make sure you turn your notifications on, on your device, and it will alert you when you we have something new that has been posted. As far as our staff goes, I just want to say Kyle and Macy Tanner have done a great job leading us in worship, um, especially this past week. Thank you to the Tanners for their heart to run hard after God. I really appreciate them both so very much. I want to say thank you also to Casey Jumper for kids worship and the digital ministry that is taking place for our children and their families during this time when everyone is sheltering in and staying home and kind of going stir crazy. Now, Jeff Watts told me about opportunities to spend time on the phone with some of his youth, a great personal one-on-one time that he's not normally afforded uh, when they meet together as a group. So thank you, Jeff, for all the many hours that you have spent uh, ministering to our young people. Uh, Thank you for the the, the countless hours that you've spent uh, editing video and producing our, our digital services. Thank you for your heart of obedience to God and doing everything that has been asked of you as well as your elasticity in being stretched to new heights. Braden Tanner has been meeting digitally with college students and caring for their needs. He's done a stellar job also of creating our our YouTube channel for us and getting things situated so that we can broadcast on Sunday mornings. So thank you, Braden, for your love for Christ, and which shows in the excellence with which you do the things that you do. Uh, thank you for putting Christ first. You know, Lori Deaver has been holding down the fort, so to speak, keeping our office operational and making sure the office is open each morning. So thank you, Lori, for your heart of faithfulness and diligence as we continue to press on for God's kingdom in the midst of trying times and great uncertainty. 
every one of our Memorial Baptist Church staff is working hard and doing the things necessary to continue to see our church move forward in the kingdom. We're moving forward right now. And further, after this crisis passes, and it will pass, this will pass. You can be very proud of each one of our staff members and the contribution and the commitment that they are to Memorial Baptist Church. The teamwork, it makes the dream work. Now, speaking of contributions, a nice little segue there. Obviously, with Memorial not being able to meet corporately on a weekly basis, our income through our tithes and offerings has fallen off quite a bit, and we've not been meeting our budget needs. Now, granted, we are spending less because we are not utilizing our building as much, and we're not making purchases, or at least as many purchases, for ministry, and we're cutting back every place that we can. However, we still have financial needs to keep our full-time staff employed, up and running, doing the ministry, checking on people. A memorial needs your love and your care now more than ever. I want to give you really quickly five ways that you can give to Memorial Baptist Church. Now, first, you could send a check directly to the church. Just write out a check, put it in the mail, send it to the church. Secondly, you could call the church with your debit card in hand and give Lori your information, knowing that we will discard the information safely and promptly uh, after doing as you wish. Third, I would say you can give online through our website. Go to our website, www.memorialchurch.us. Click on uh, the uh, giving link, the, the tab, and it'll take you to a, a place where you can uh, give online. You can also download the church app. We're putting information on our website about how you can download the church app to your phone or other device and give through that. And fifthly, lastly, you can also text to give. If you text whatever dollar amount you want to give to 84321, um, you will be able to give uh, through text messaging. So there's five ways there that you can give. And so I, I hope that you will uh, give generously, uh, knowing that uh, we are out working hard, doing the things we can do to stay in touch with everybody and to minister to people, even in the midst of this horrible crisis. Thank you so much, Memorial, for all that you do to see the kingdom of God move forward. I know that God is not surprised by the events of the past several weeks. He's still on His throne. He's going to use this situation to bring glory and honor to His name. My prayer is that He would use it to sweep literally tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people into His kingdom. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into our Bible study time. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for our church family. Father, how we love one another, how we miss being together. 
how we ask God that you would push back the darkness, that you would push back this virus, that you would not allow the enemy to have a foothold in any of it, but God, that you would provide for each one of our needs in and through this time. Father, that you would make your name famous, Father, through this time. Father, that that we would see a great awakening, that we would see a great revival, unprecedented, unseen in our generation. But Father, that you would sweep tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people into your kingdom because of what you are doing. Father, I pray that we as the church would not fret over the time that we can't be together. Father, that we would not be pining Uh, when we can come back, but Father, that we would look at this time as a time of the church being deployed into the darkness, that we would be the church. Father, we've, we've been in training, we've talked about it, we've preached about it, we've studied about it, and the day is finally here where the church is deployed. We're no longer in the pews, but we're out in the world, hopefully doing your will, doing your bidding, Jesus as our King, as our Lord, as our Master, as our Savior. I pray, Father, for obedient hearts. I pray, Father, that we would spend time in Your Word and time with You. And, Father, that we would be in lockstep with You, that where You are, there we would be also. Father, Your Word says, My sheep hear My voice, and they respond. They follow Me. So I pray, Father, that we would be followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this time. Guide our study, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to our hearts as we have our Bibles open, our pens and pads in hand, and Father, that we would just uh, dive into your word. And Father, that we would know you better because of the time we've spent with you and in your word. Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray for strength. We pray for healing. We pray for health. Uh, Father, I just lift up our, our frontline um, health care workers, our nurses, our doctors, those who will be taking care of the, the, the sick and the ill. I pray, Father, for safety for them. I pray for health. I pray that the virus would not affect them. Father, I pray that you would help us to meet needs in real time so that others may also proclaim the excellencies of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, you are a mighty God. Our faith and our trust is in you, and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Switching gears now, we're um, going to dive into our continued Bible study um, out of the Holy Bible in the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2, so if you want to open your word and your scripture up to that. Now, I was recently fishing out at Lake Belton. It was a little windy day, but not too bad. Maybe 17, 18 mile an hour winds. Uh, things were pretty choppy. Uh, we were just kind of messing around at some fishing. You know, it wasn't any serious type fishing, if you will. Um, I felt like it would be best uh, to anchor. And uh, we tried. We, we threw our anchor out. and You know, but pretty soon we, we found that there was an underwater current, and it slipped our anchor, and there it hung suspended above the lake bed. And it wasn't very long before I noticed that 
we were indeed adrift. You know, today we're going to notice a number of nautical terms that the writer will use in this chapter. The main caution is that we won't find ourselves drifting from our faith because of inattention or from carelessness. I'll give you just a quick outline of this chapter. Uh, Three different phrases. The first one is, so that we do not drift away. The second one is, but we see Jesus. And the third one is, the captain of our salvation. Read with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, so that we do not drift away. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. There's a couple of nautical terms here. He says to give heed or pay much closer attention. And really it has something to do with like bringing a ship into land. Uh, towards the land to uh, maybe trailer a boat or to bring it to the dock, the harbor. You know, Psalm 107.30 says that he brought them safely into harbor, uh, according to the message translation. But the danger is that we drift away. And really this term was used for something slipping away from one's memory, or like a ring slipping off from someone's finger, or from a ship or boat drifting away. Now, there's a few things here that we need to understand about drifting. The first thing is that drifting requires no effort. See, people seldom lose their religion, their faith, if you will, by a blowout. It's usually a slow leak, a slow fade. And it's usually an unconscious effort. In other words, you might not even know that you're drifting, but all of a sudden, you've hit land, you've hit the beach, you've beached the boat. Of your faith. You're stuck because you weren't paying attention. It's an unconscious effort. See, drifting is not intentional, it usually comes from inattention and carelessness. 
It happens quietly, with no friction, no dramatic sense of departure. See, winds of trouble blow into your life, and when that happens, the things of Christ are left behind, and then pretty soon, they're out of sight. I would say we also never drift upstream or against the tide. It's almost impossible. The speed downstream also increases. You know, when you hear the noise of the waterfall coming, folks, it's too late. It's too late. See, when we drift, it's also dangerous to others. It's a hazard to all other vessels that are on the lake or out at sea. If one boat begins to drift because there are other vessels out there. There are other people out there. And when we begin to drift, it's dangerous to those around us. It usually ends in shipwreck because we will crash on the rocks or we go over the falls or we end up on the beach. So I ask you the question today, how are your moorings in Christ? How well are you attached to Christ? Do you have cables that are really sturdy, that are, that are made of steel? Do you have ropes, maybe that are strong, that are woven together? Or over time, has those ropes or those cables become frayed? Maybe they're just strings now, or maybe even tiny threads. See, some people who never consider walking in darkness, they sure enjoy a little stroll in the shade. But don't forget, Samson was asleep when he lost his strength. Still water and still religion, still faith, freeze the quickest. We got to be moving, folks. We got to be moving towards something. We can't just let it sit and drift and let it ride. So that's one of the reasons why this time, away from the body disengaged from those who know us and love us most is a very dangerous time because we can drift away, not only in our relationships, but in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's also scary to realize that most of the people who failed in Scripture failed in the second half of their life. It was as they aged, as they got older, they began to drift. How many people have you met that left Christianity because they logically reasoned it through and found it full of holes and faulty? You see, I believe most that have left the faith simply drifted away. So what causes drifting? I'm glad you asked. 
I would say this, not giving careful attention to the Word of God. Robertson McQuilkin, in his book, Let Me Go Home Before Let Me Get Home Before Dark, he prays for himself. And he says this, he says, I fear the dark specter may come too soon, or do I mean too late, that I should end before I finish, or finish but not well, that I should stain your honor, shame your name, grieve your loving heart. Few, they tell me, finish well. Lord, let me get home before dark. Have you drifted away from your early faith? Or maybe from your fidelity to God? Maybe your consistent reading of His Word or or serious and passionate prayer times. What about church attendance? I understand we can't come physically to the church and meet corporately for worship. Oh, but we can tune in online. We can, we can, we can digitally tune in and, and be a part and participate. What about giving? What about fellowship or communion? Have you drifted away in your witnessing? of making disciples? Some serious questions that really we should evaluate ourselves in light of that. Read with me out of this second chapter of Hebrews, verses 5 through 9. But we see Jesus. Verse 5 says, For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, What is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with honor Excuse me, you have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Oh, let's pull over and park there for just a moment. See, Psalm 8 It exalts the the dignity of man. A direct quote from Psalm 8 verse 5 should read, You have made him a little lower than God. 
a little lower than the angels. The word there in Hebrew is Elohim. We are the greatest of God's creation. Humanity is the greatest of God's creation, for we are made in the image of Almighty God. So why are we so messed up and so mixed up today? I mean, modern teaching has lowered humans to the level of an animal and rejected the image of God. It's no wonder why we as humans have no problem discarding hundreds of thousands of human babies, yet we'll spend millions of dollars to free a beached whale. No wonder we have such civil unrest and such violence and brutality. Humanity, you see, has dethroned God. And in doing so, we have degraded ourselves. Let us never forget our obligation as creatures who are made in God's image. And our greater obligation as saints being renewed in this image through Christ. See, although God's original high purpose for humanity was lost in the fall, it will be recovered (laughs) through Jesus Christ. See, now because of this train of thought here, it's not easy. I need to explain the text first, and then I'll apply it. See, God's original intent for humanity was that we rule over the earth. And the writer here makes two points. Humanity's destiny is higher than that of the angels. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. See, there is debate about the meaning of the phrase, the world to come. The Greek word for world means the inhabited earth. Some take the whole phrase to refer to the messianic age inaugurated by Christ at his first coming. Others understand it to refer to the future millennial kingdom. In the original creation, God created man in his image to subdue the earth and rule over it, found in Genesis 1, 26-28. Humanity lost that dominion to Satan in the fall so that he is now the ruler of this world. There are lots of scripture passages that reference that. At the cross, Jesus overcame Satan's power. John 12, 31. John 16, 11. Christ's victory will be finalized in his second coming and kingdom rule. At the end of that thousand-year reign, Satan will be loosed briefly for one final assault on Christ's kingdom, only to be defeated and judged forever. So I understand the world to come to primarily refer to the future millennial kingdom. But there is currently a heavenly conflict for dominion on earth. We participate in this conflict and 
reign with Christ as we conquer the strongholds of Satan through spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 talks about that. Daniel chapter 10. To the extent that we live under Christ's lordship, we experience a taste of his kingdom rule in the present right now. But the full expression of Christ's kingdom awaits his return when he will reign over all the earth. Then we will reign with him and we will judge angels, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 3. So our ultimate destiny is higher than that of the angels, since we will rule the world to come with Christ. So God's original intent for us is described in Psalm 8. That's where these quotations are coming from in the book of Hebrews. I would imagine that David, probably standing out under the night sky, gazing at the impressive arrays of stars, when he marveled, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens, as he considers his own smallness in light of the immensity of the universe, he marvels, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You see, David stands amazed as he realizes that in spite of man's insignificance compared to the vast universe, God has appointed man below the angels to rule over creation. The phrase a little lower than the angels is ambiguous. It can mean either by a small degree or for a short time. The former sense fits the psalm as it applied to man who lacked the supernatural powers of the angels. But the latter sense fits the psalm as applied to the capital S, Son of Man, who laid aside His glory for a short time to take on human flesh while on this earth. Now, He retains His humanity forever, but when He ascended back into heaven, He took back His glory. John 17, 5, Revelation 1, 12 through 18. See, as the psalm unfolds, God created man as the, the height, the apex of his creation, giving him great glory and honor. And he gave man a position of authority to rule over all other creatures. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment, enjoying perfect fellowship with their creator Humanity's original high position of high honor shows how completely inexcusable the fall was. What more could Adam and Eve have wanted? What did they lack? They had position. They had prestige. They had power over everything on earth. Yet they wanted more. They wanted to be like God himself. 
So after citing this line of the psalm, you have put all things in subjection to his feet. The author of Hebrews explains the end of verse 8, for in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. The question is, what does him, does that refer to man or to Christ? It probably refers to man in the first place, but also beyond man to Christ as the representative of man. See, the writer confesses that it's not easy to recognize the man in Christ. The author refers to that failed purpose in chapter 2, verse 8, the second half of that verse. Now, God's original intent for humanity was hindered by our fall into sin. See, the fall looms beyond the words, but we do not yet see all things subjected to him. The author then is saying that Psalm 8 had reference to the first Adam created in God's image to have dominion over his creation. Everything without exception was to be subject to humanity. That was God's original intent, but that was not what we see now. Man fell through sin, so it thwarted the fulfillment of everything in creation being subject to him. As a result of the fall, God ordained that the earth would be cursed so that man would have to till it by the sweat of his brow in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, losing their place of dominion, and the human race became subject to sickness, to injury, and to death. The effects of sin infected the entire race so that Adam and Eve's first son murdered his own brother. Humanity became subject to what we call natural disasters, such as earthquakes, volcanoes, floods, fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, drought, and extremes of cold and heat. You know, John MacArthur, he describes it this way. He said, man lives in jeopardy every hour. Just at the height of professional achievement, his brain may develop a tumor and he becomes an imbecile. Just at the brink of athletic fame, he, be, he may become injured and become a helpless paralytic. He fights himself. He fights his fellow man. He fights his earth. Every day we read and hear of the distress of nations, of the impossibility of agreement between statesmen in a world that languishes in political and social conflict, not to mention economic hardship, health hazards, military threats. We hear the whine of pain from animals that cannot speak, and even from the struggle of trees and crops against disease and insects. Our many hospitals and doctors and medicines, pesticides, insurance companies, fire and police departments, funeral homes all bear testimony to the cursed earth. And even if we look beyond humanity as the reference in 2.8, 
to Christ as the representative man. We do not yet see all things subjected to him. See, that idea ties back to chapter 1, verse 13, where the Father says to the Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Folks, that has not yet happened. In God's sovereign plan, He allows wicked men and nations to rage against His Messiah in this present age. But the day is coming. (laughs) Oh, the day is coming when He shall break them with the rod of iron and shatter them like earthenware. That's what it says in Psalm chapter 2, verse 9. This leads to the third link in the author's thought. God's original intent for humanity will be realized through Jesus Christ. The order of thought here follows Paul's treatment of Jesus' humiliation and glory in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. There, Jesus, who existed in the form of God, emptied himself of his glory and he took on the form of a servant and became obedient to death on a cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. See here, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, referenced in Hebrews 1, humbled himself by taking on human flesh becoming a little lower than the angels, but he didn't stop there. He submitted to the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. See, as a result, he is now crowned with glory and honor. To taste death means not to nibble at it, but rather to experience death to the fullest degree. And the word everyone there refers to all that will experience the benefit of Christ's death through faith. The many sons whom he will bring to glory. Do you remember in Luke 24, the risen Jesus chided the two men on the Emmaus road for not believing in all that the prophets had spoken? Then he said, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Peter said that the prophets sought to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. 1 Peter 1.11 In other words, Jesus' death was not unforeseen. The Old Testament prophets had predicted his death, and after it, after his death, they predicted his glory. See, this was God's ordained means of rescuing the fallen human race from the ravages of sin and restoring us to the place of his original intention. If we are in Christ through faith, then we are seated in the heavenly places in Him. If He is now crowned with glory and honor, then we share that glory and honor, although we do not yet see it. When He comes again to reign in His kingdom, we will reign with Him. That 
is our glorious destiny in Christ. Let me just recap this real briefly, and I'm, I'm finished. We'll move on next week to the captain of our salvation. To recap this, Christ's incarnation and death did not in any way imply his inferiority to the angels. This is supported by the fact that God ordained that humanity will rule angels in the world to come. Psalm 8 shows that this is God's original intent. And that intent was hindered by the fall. But now, but now has been recovered in the second Adam, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through His death, His resurrection, His exaltation on high, and coming again to reign, we will reign with Him. Oh, what a glorious thought. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for your attention. I am loving this study in Hebrews. I hope you are benefiting as well. God loves you. I love you. Your church loves you. My prayer for you this evening is that you would experience hope and faith in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He has all of this and is ready to return. He's still in control. We needn't fret. We don't need to give in to fear. Continue trusting Him every step of the way. Our suffering is not for naught. It's for our future glory. God bless you, and praise be to Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, now and forever. Amen.